Now, before I get too far into this podcast, I really need to give a shout out to the Flower International Pentecostal Charity. They have a tremendous set of archival material. They have all kinds of digital issues of Pentecostal and full gospel publications. And when I have ordered copies of material, always been so very nice and helpful with them. through their uh, blog that deals with things like this week and this week and God history. So a couple of weeks ago, the story of uh, John and Lucille Booth Sibbers showed up on their blog, and they said that the entire story, as written by Lucille, could be found in an old issue of the Pentecostal Evangel, which they had available. So this, the material for this podcast came almost entirely from that digitized version of the Pentecostal Evangel, dated January 2nd, let me see here, 1926. And the title of the article is Obedient Under Death. A short record of the call and sacrifice of Eric E. Sibbers, missionary to French West Africa, written by his wife, Mrs. Eric Booth Sibbers.
deprivation to the danger, the loneliness, the test of faith that were ahead. Well, it turns out that Eric and his brother Theodore both pursued Lucille. They both tried to win her affection. Now, at this time, Eric and Theodore were working together as evangelists in England, and they were dubbed the Booth Brothers. Well, obviously, she fell for Eric. And they married, and she shared his passion for missions. An excellent match, it would seem. And their first pastorate was a Russian congregation in Colorado. <laughs> and again, they were with the Assembly of God Church. In 1923, Eric and Lucille both sensed in their much about the lives of missionaries, usually from the time of call till actually setting out for that country, at least involves a year or two. Six weeks, six weeks from the time that they both felt that burden for West Africa and the time they set sail. This short week, that is most, most unusual missionaries. So there were three of them leaving the mission field. There was Eric, and their adorable little girl, Phyllis. And Lucille was expecting. Now, I'm not sure that she was expecting when they left for the mission field, but by the time they arrived at their destination, she certainly was.
Helped uh, with a lot of their practical needs that they had as they headed out in the mission field. So, six weeks later, from the time the Lord really put that burden on their heart, and they said yes, they set sail for Africa. So, on April 23, 1924, they set sail on the RMS Beringria. Now, I'm probably mispronouncing that. I am a Texan after all, but that's as close as I can get. Um, their journey involved a stop in London where they spent time with Eric's family, with uh, Arthur Booth Clibber and Katie Booth. And the evening before they departed for England, the family held a prayer meeting for them in their parlor. And I love this. What a wonderful way for family to send off some of their own out to the mission field. Everyone joined in the prayer, and even Eric's nanny from when he was a child was there. And as everyone was praying, Eric took a turn praying. And it was said that the room seemed to fill with light as he poured out his heart before God, as he poured out before God that burden that the Lord had placed on him. And there were certain words towards the end of Eric's prayer that we share with your mother as they left, and she probably will share for the rest of her life. Now, that is what Eric Did Eric have a sense in his heart that he might die on the mission field? Well, one thing that we can take comfort in is knowing that these kind of things, they never take the Lord by surprise. Tragedies, uh, accidents, heartaches, the Lord is fully prepared for them and has everything we need to make it through that situation. They also sang a hymn. Was a hymn that
saving the entire world was seasickness. And despite the sickness, they tried to spend as much time as they could reading and praying and studying, but it seems that little Philip, as I quote, kept them on high alert. Now, if you see a picture of this little Philip, Lucille found great comfort. She felt like she was back among her people because these were much like the uh, locals that she grew up with when she was a child and her parents were on the mission field. And she was able to uh, explain a lot about the culture and about the traditions to Eric, who had you know, never been in this part of the world before. Well, they finally arrive in Grand Bassam off the ivory coast of West Africa. And Eric kind of told a funny story about how they were removed from the ship. Basically, everyone was rushed off the ship before they even had time for breakfast. And he said that they were literally removed like you would remove a load of coal. They were loaded up on some type of a platform attached to a derrick, swung over and basically dropped on the dock and he said this was very interesting and um they got their clothes and their white pith helmets uh, dirty from being in an area where so much coal had been transported but they made it to the dock they made it safely and their next concern is trying to get through customs now Eric was concerned about this, of course, but he managed to find an Englishman who owned a store there in the area that was able to help him. Uh, again, he and Lucille did not speak the language. So this gentleman got him through customs and then offered to let them stay at his home that night. And as they visited with the man, they discovered that he was sadly not in favor of missionary enterprise. He contended that the African people were happy as they were and closer to nature and probably of purer spirit. And he said that these missionaries come and they try to force religion down people's throat and had all these negative things to say. And they found out later that this man was a spiritualist, that he was a practitioner of the occult. And so they thought, well, that's why he's so against missionaries. That's why he had this you know, hostile attitude towards missionary work. As it turned out, it his views on missions and religion were held by most of the European people that they encountered in West Africa. And in the article about uh, what happened to Eric, Lucille pointed out how the ungodly behavior of Europeans in Africa had made it so much harder for missionaries to work. Why should the locals be interested in the God presented by missionaries when others professing to follow the same God had been evil and harmful? And this was uh, a point of great concern to Lucille, and that's been said by other missionaries too. Uh, I'm especially reminded of David Brainerd and his work among the Native Americans in the 1800s and how difficult it was to try to tell them about Jesus when they said, yeah, we've encountered lots of these quote-unquote white men 
and our morals and our standards are higher than theirs, why should we listen to you? So, this is something that Lucille pointed out. Now, on a lighter note, part of their journey was in a car over very rough land, and Eric talked about how the driver of that car, basically they got in, and as we say in Texas, he put the pedal to the metal. He accelerated at full speed, and they went over all kinds of rough and bumpy land going full speed. He said they would balance and be on one side of the road, and then they'd balance and end up on the other side of the road. As much as this was uncomfortable... with
And someone that he was talking to about this comment that there needed to be a book written called The White Shadow, which is dark Avenue. Now, this was strange the first the errors that Mr. Stewart had on his phone when he went back to the They were taken back by the They recognized how great this book was and how scary it was. And in a letter back to uh Guys, this is one of the things that I love about these truly, truly committed missionaries. Not only
I want to talk about something here. You say, well, if he went to heaven, why is it sad? It's sad because we know the grief experienced by his wife and his daughter, Phyllis. Back many, many years ago, my my grandma lost her husband, my, my grandpa Blassingame. And grandma was very sad and she was crying. And somebody from church said, why, Sister Blassingame, why are you crying? You know he's in heaven. You know, a well-meaning church member and I love Grandma Blassingame's response she looked at this young lady and she said I'm not crying for him I'm crying for myself I miss him and so as I talk about Phyllis's grief keep in mind it's not because Phyllis thought she would never see him again it's because she was going to miss him her companion her husband was gone and it would leave a void in her life so keep that in mind as we talk about this. So two weeks after Eric wrote the letter describing his journey by car, he was called home by the Lord. Or in non-church language, he died. He became extremely ill with grief and pain, a very, very severe form of dying on July 2nd. He finally went into a delirium and he kept trying to get up, but he was nine PM. Lucille called it fainting. It sounds like he
didn't want to hurt God. Really? Why the coughing came in your veins at first? Trusting that he loves you more. Dedicating herself afresh and anew to the Lord. I had a funeral for him. A few hymns were sung and a missionary named Brother Taylor preached the, the funeral sermon. And he reminded the locals in attendance that Aaron had laid down his life for them because he loved them and he loved the Lord. Lucille said that she watched as they placed the lid on the coffin, glimpsed his face on the turf for the last time, and then they began to put the nails in that coffin, driving them one by one, nailing down that lid, and she said, he's the flow of the Many of the powerful people, powerful colonials in that region, uh, they they came to the funeral, and he is buried still there in, in West Africa. To testify that the faithful friendship of John Eric Lee Lee and Jerome Was in the middle of Africa, in her 20s, alone, did not speak the language. At that time in the 1920s, it would take a great deal of time for them to get money to her, to get help to her, and she needed to get back to England with her baby. Later on, she said she did not regret a single day she spent in Africa, despite the fact that it was what took her husband from her. She said this is uh, one of the things that her husband wrote about their missionary endeavor, and I quote, And now as we turn to Africa, that continent so dark, I know how hard it will be for us to part. But our Lord bade us occupy till he come. We are obeying his command without reasoning till our work is done. And then this is what this is what Lucille had to say about his death on the mission field. And I quote it has been said that a lonely grave in faraway lands has sometimes made a more lasting impression on the lives and hearts of the natives than a lifetime of effort. That a simple wooden cross over a mound of earth has spoken more eloquently than a multitude of words of the tender love and of the sacred cause for which this man has given all. For those who have followed after such a sacrifice, have often reaped rare and wondrous fruit of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what she's saying there, it's 
been proven over and over again when there have been missionaries that have been terribly murdered. Um, in more recent times, we can think back to Jim Elliott and the guys that he was with trying to reach the hunter reach a isolated tribe deep in the jungle in South America. They were killed, but then later his wife and the sister of one of his co-workers, they arrived there to carry on the missionary work. And the Lord moved among those people. There are stories of a missionary, I believe it was John, it was John Rogers, that he was killed at a uh, headhunter island called Aromanga. He was uh, basically murdered. And yet when another missionary came in to continue that work, tremendous results in that area. So, it's true. It's almost as if the blood of martyrs renders the ground more fruitful for uh, people to get saved. So, then, along with Phyllis, and pregnant with Stanley, Lucille had to find the way home. Now, I found a fascinating article that talked a little bit about what happened afterward. Phyllis would later talk about the sight of her mother, her arms covered in flies as she canoed down the Niger River. So it seems that it was not easy getting back to England. Uh, they met a lot of difficulties. And again, it would have been difficult for the Assemblies of God to quickly swoop in and help her. At that time, they didn't have uh, airplanes that were typically used in missionary endeavors. They had very limited transportation in countries such as that that the missionaries could make use of. And a lot of technology that we take for granted today simply hadn't been developed. So apparently it was a very rough time trying to get home. They eventually made it
I don't understand what's going on, but I still trust you. Lord, it seems like everything is going the opposite of what I believed, but I still have faith in you. If we want to know a secret to a successful Christian life, that is one of them.